It's Detroit. It's a Wednesday. And Marcus Erickson would like to offer you some chalky milk. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. That is the most mean-tastic a intro for this podcast will ever go. <laughs> oh, no. But welcome to episode 309 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And uh, we have an IndyCar special edition of Motorsport 101 this time around. Only because Motorsport thought it would be a great idea to put literally everything this weekend. Way to go, everybody. Um, thanks for making our lives a living hell for next week. But in the meantime, we have a nice, calm, quiet, delightfully smooth IndyCar doubleheader in Detroit to get through this weekend. And it was a fun time for all involved. Unless you're in a Penske. Or you're a Romain Grosjean. But uh, we'll get to that in the next 45 minutes or so. With me, as always, RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Uh, folks, this coming weekend, um, I believe it's the weekend of the 19th, 20th. It's massive. I mean, keep in mind, we were supposed to have the Canadian Grand Prix this past weekend. But, oh. uh, yeah, they ain't running Montreal without spectators in attendance, so that ain't happening. So, what do we have? We have Formula 1, Formula 3, Formula E, Formula Regional, Super Formula, Super Formula Lights, IndyCar, Indy Pro 2000, Indy Lights, USF 2000, Euro Formula Open, GT World Challenge Europe. We got it all. Supercars, <laughs> DTM, Na- NASCAR. The debut of ETCO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and if you want to take two wheels away, we've got MotoGP at the Saxon Ring as well, where Marquez is going for 11 consecutive wins. Um, it's it's don't, a lot. I don't know how likely that is. Mm. We'll, we'll see. Let's just say it's anti-clockwise. It might help the old shoulder. Point is, is that uh, we've got a lot going on, and uh, God help the scriptwriter for these episodes. Oh wait, that's me. Shit. Um, <laughs> better add some. Better anyway. add a liquid. Better add a liquid cooler to that keyboard. If, <laughs> I'm gonna have carpal tunnel by next Wednesday. Uh, King, how's it going, big man? Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, another person who had a bad weekend last weekend. Felix Rosenquist. Uh, hope he gets better soon. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. Definitely. You know who else had a bad week on that? Renus VK. Oof. Yeah. Nasty stuff, nasty. Oh, jeez, that was uh, not great. Uh, but obviously, good to hear Felix is on the mend. Good to hear Felix is relatively okay. Um, probably be back next weekend. He hasn't been cleared. We'll get into the nitty-gritty behind that a little bit. But he's got quite an interesting replacement in that number seven car. Um, let's just say, if you noticed, that the that IMSA was rated in Detroit this past weekend. There's a bit of a crossover going on there. You'll, you'll see what I mean later. Um, also, outside of the world of motorsport, Get well soon, Christian Eriksen, as well, because uh, that was uh, that was utterly really, horrifying to watch in the world of football. That was a really brutal couple of hours just watching sport Oof. in our Discord. Because uh, oh yeah, yeah. As, right after er- following, they Erickson, said he, they said Eriksen was gone. Hmm. He was dead for two minutes. Yeah, like just terrified stuff. It was an awful couple of hours in sport, where especially when you get into the context of Felix's crash, and it was again about a. Two hours later, um, in the world of sport, I was like, oh, for God's sake, please, dear God, no. Um, thankfully, everybody involved is okay. Um, don't, somehow you don't know how sometimes, but here we are. That's sport for you. Cam, good to see you, man. How's it going? It's going okay. I'm drinking that, uh, 
that Manti Gatorade. Still celebrating. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, I it just blows me away how everyone said at the start of this uh, basketball season, hey, maybe that's too many games and too short a time period, and now everyone's knees are made of toothpicks and chewing gum. Good job, guys. Everyone, everyone How are has we no make the money from games. <laughs> Why did the players' association sign off on this? Oh, I said at the start of the year, fifty-eight games would probably have been ideal. No, we had seventy-two, and that everybody's hurt. Everybody's hurt or caught COVID or something. It is brutal. Like the like, Wadge has been tweeting with like fire entrails coming off his fingers today. Because we found out Kawhi might have done his ACL in, Chris Paul entered COVID protocol, and Mike Conley's out as well. I'm just sitting here going, what the hell is going on in basketball? Um, oh, look, it's, it's been a wild week of sports, to say the least. But uh, we're not a basketball this, uh, podcast, so we don't have to worry about this. Yeah, we, we, we don't have to talk about Kevin Durant getting a 49-point triple-double. Triple no, game. thank God. King, King <laughs> try and say that without crying. <laughs> I can't. And, um... <laughs> oh God! Let's just say if we did have a sports car segment this week, I would have some very strong thoughts. Oh, Jim! No, not even, not even. <laughs> J- Jim is a footnote at this point. Um, the reason why I didn't write an IMSA section for this week's podcast, because I would have done if there was something to talk about. However, we have been reduced to the late, late 2000s GT1 era of just having a class with the two Corvettes. It's not good. It is. Thank goodness I watched that came in to steal the show. <laughs> DPI was pretty fun. Congratulations. DPI was pretty fun, and we had and we had a victory overturned by way of technical disqualification. I'm just shocked that we're not talking about the newest hotness in motorsport that is Superstar Racing Experience came. <laughs> we have iRock. I never Cole. actually watched. Uh, I, I, it was actually too late for me in, at night to watch it. But as a real quick intro, because this is a short set list. How was it, King? I, I've got pure curiosity. Alio Kastrnev is murdered. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I needed to know. <laughs> Perfect. I won, I won four <laughs> Indy 500s and you're all dead to me. <laughs> Marco Andretti made moves like... If Marco Andretti made moves in IndyCar the way he was making an SRS, he'd probably be a three-time series champion by now. Might still be in the oh, series. Oh, damn. It's, I'm it's to, audacious, really. I, I might have, have to dig to that, that up somewhere. <laughs> I have to dig that out somewhere. That, that alone is like that's all the appeal I needed. Helio Castellanos beats down the field. I'm okay with no, that. No, 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 no. He actually what, what committed oh, contract oh, murders. Oh, that kind of murdering. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I racing week thirteen. Murder. Art, not, not. Oh, we have Arca breaks in real. Okay, life. now, now I even more want to see this now. <laughs> Arca breaks in real life. Uh, I gotta. Fu- 
Right, I'm going. I'm going on Racing for Me later, the totally legal sourced <laughs> website. Um, in the meantime, we're going to talk about IndyCar's duel in Detroit on this episode. Um, two very different winners uh, over the course of the races. Yes, the fourth new winner in IndyCar this season. And up until halfway through the weekend, we'd had seven different races winners in the first seven rounds of the IndyCar season as, yes, Marcus Ericsson won an IndyCar race. Lord, I'm as shocked as you are. <sighs> Chocolate chip for everybody. Uh, Marcus Ericsson gets a W. We'll talk about how he got to that point and how unbelievable that was. And then in race two, Pato Award becomes the first repeat winner of the season, which again is really weird to say. Well, not only he won the race, he climbed through the field, and took the championship lead, all in the space of one weekend. We'll be talking all about that, a bit about Jimmy Johnson, and some of the quite famous replacements we'll be talking about as well for this weekend at Road America. All of that in the next 45 minutes or so. But places you can find us in the meantime, we're on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. If you're watching us on there right now, hi! Subscribe, hit the like button. Hit the bell for notifications, all that good stuff. There was also a, a fun little live stream I did where I just talked to everybody for two and a half hours. That was fun. Um, check that out as well. Um, we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Um, we're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to find our personal handles, they're on the screen right now. They're in the description down below on YouTube as well. But if not, they're at Harrison 101 HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at C Buckley 917. Um, you can follow us on Instagram as well if you like Motorsport 101 pod. For bonus content on there and also notifications when new episodes go up um, as well as our Patreon if you really really want to back us on there you can back us at patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 $5 gets you early access to all of the audio versions of these shows before the general release 10 bucks gets you the video versions as well as access to the supporters club of our discord server we can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded go check that out if you haven't already so without further ado Let's get into the IndyCar Duel in Detroit. Oh, another duel in Detroit. And in race one, one Marcus Erickson joined Renus VK, Pato Award, and Alex Below as the fourth new winner in the 2021 season. He he did it with a very fast Ganassi and uh, a lot of luck as race one kind of went down to... Uh, a sprint to the finish. Uh, I'm not. I, I. I'm. I'm not mistaking this for any other race. I'm not mistaking this for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. We oh no! Another. Not. We had another late race. Uh, <laughs> another late race stoppage because uh, one Roman Groshan went into the wall and uh, the race was red flag. So we definitely have a finish under green. And when the line rolled off behind the safety car, someone did not roll well, off along with them. No one, it was, no one could it, roll because of the car, that car being at the front <laughs> of the line. Yes. I mean, they just drove around him. And when they realized, yes, the leader, Will Power, couldn't get his engine fired. Would you say that his car won't power? Oh. <laughs> 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 Release the hounds! <laughs> will Power Int. Will, yeah, will Power Int. And uh, Penske didn't have to retire Will Power from the race, so we were eventually able to get his car refired, but he had to go to the back of the line. So 
he could not possibly win the race. And when the race went green, Marcus Erickson pulled away from the field and won the race. Uh, yes, and fun fact for you people keeping watch out there, this is Marcus Erickson's first win since the Nürburgring feature race in the 2013 GP2 season. It's been eight years since Marcus Erickson won a, won a race in, in a race he's taken part in in a series. Yeah, so, uh, did any of you guys think that Ganassi would have all three cars winning a race this year? All three? <laughs> Oh, oh god, I did it again. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. There's a fourth call there, King. How oh, dare you forget our Lord and Savior, Jimmy Johnson. How dare you? We're jumping the queue in the set list. Release the Tigers. <laughs> I am never yeah, how going to financial We got Tigers. Do I get the Kraken later? Is that what's going to happen? Yes. No, there's a Kraken not, pit below you. You're not running the newest NHL expansion franchise in Seattle. No. Oh, jeez. I mean, if, if again, you would never have guessed this at the top. Look, honestly, I thought Dixon will definitely win a race. I thought if the chips fall this way, Polo might win a race. He did on the first round of the year in convincing fashion. So that was easily proven wrong at King's expense. Marcus Erickson, though? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> like, like, no disrespect to Marcus. He's been fine in IndyCar in his career today. But never did you think, like, even unless you had one of these crazy races like this one, that you'd think Marcus Erickson would win an IndyCar race. And Erickson made a valid point after the race where he said, look, this is my best track. And he, he's probably right. It is his yeah. best track. He's had some good results yeah, but... here in the past. Um, wasn't his second place in, in Detroit as well? I'm pretty sure that it was. That was his only so... podium going into this weekend. Yeah, so yeah, he's, than, he's uh, always uh, done well here. Yeah, other than that, that stint of leading the, the 2017 500, this has really been... This has been the place where he shined the most in his IndyCar career, and uh, fair play to him. He put himself in position. Uh, the strategies played out where he ended up in second place, and uh, then released an EMP on Will Power's car while they were parked in the pits. <laughs> <laughs> was, was, that, was that like the 15 laps chased kill streak? was it? Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like we're playing Modern Warfare 2 again. <laughs> oh, dear. But, uh, yeah. <sighs> We'll get to Will Power's struggles in a minute, but, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give Marcus this. I know it's easy to go, oh, look, fluke win. We all love one of those, like a Pierre Gasly from last year. His pace was very good in the second half of that race. He Marcus was able Erickson to... could actually live with Will Power's speed. He was stuck to within, like, a, a second of him. Yeah. Yeah, there was, there was some great team radio that was on IndyCar's YouTube and social media as well during the race where Erickson was genuinely like adamant that um he had the pace to beat power he thought he was fast he was just looking for a way around him and hey we'll never know for sure if that what would have happened because we were robbed of a uh of a sprint finish i guess you could say because well erickson just broke off at the end um which almost took some of the wind out of its sails in the end which is kind of weird normally you, you take this competitive red to, you know, get a guaranteed exciting finish. And it actually kind of wasn't. Erickson just kind of pulled away due to, due to Powell's car not restarting. So, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, and it's... I I get wanting to have a finish under green. 
and I get not wanting to do overtime because yeah. that that's dumb. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't be yeah, NASCAR. Don't, don't be NASCAR. Don't be NASCAR. But it, it 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 was egregiously manufactured because of course there there's there's no way you could defend saying oh there's no way the the field could have circulated behind the safety car around Grosjean's wreck there was space there there no, was they could, um, it, it was trying was, to force a green flag finish which again we get and you want to see a race finish under green but when you have to go that far to manufacture such a finish it's a little far yeah <laughs> takes a little wind out of the sails on that one I mean yeah and, I, like I, I get wanting to do that because uh, there was the, that massive red flag during the race. Yeah, like yeah, that's it was not the only red flag. We, Felix Rosenquist uh, had a jam throttle and slammed into the turn six tire barriers, coming on a strand drive at 164 clicks. Now, I thought it was actually cool. That NBC cut to the camera and Felix is moving around the car. And while he is in distress, he is clearly, he is clearly alert. Yeah. He was and conscious. He was alert After the away. whole experience. Because that's, that's a terrifying wreck. He's stacked in the tire barriers at almost full speed with a stuck throttle. He yep. knocked over an entire ass concrete barrier. <laughs> yeah. When, when, his car. Car, when his car went in, it, it submarined underneath the tires, hit concrete first. As RJ said, shoved the concrete barrier out and toppled it over. It knocked it down. Toppled it over just from the force mm. of one car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And destroyed the tire barrier, destroyed the catch fencing. And thankfully, it it was a crash that looked worse than it was. Felix is okay. Yeah. Um... We, there was initially a lot of initially a lot of worries about his lower extremities. Thankfully, nothing severe. Understandable. And uh, obviously, had the wind knocked out of him. We hope he recovers as quickly yeah. as possible. Because mm-hmm. it had been a tough season for him Damn. up to that point. Now it's just gotten worse. Yeah. I want to talk about Marcus Erickson for a bit because yeah. I think it's cool that he got this win. He said something after the race that he had forgotten what it felt like to win. And I get it. Because what was the lasting memory of Marcus Erickson in Formula One? Not doing at the back of the grid. His lasting memory was Haas engineer Gary Gannon blaming him (sighs) for Romain Grosjean wrecking under the safety car in Baku. That's the most remarkable moment of Marcus Erickson's career. What did he do before that? Four years of underperforming in GP2, coming off the back of winning a Formula BMW title in Europe and an all-Japan F3 title overseas in Asia. And then all of the win just completely flew out of his tails. This dude was testing for brawn as a teenager. And then he ends up, when he finally breaks into F1, it's with a dead-on-its-legs catering team. His financial considerations are the only reason he sticks around for Sauber until Alfa Romeo comes in, and they're just like, yeah, we're going with Charles and Kimi and Antonio. Sorry, Marcus, you can be our brand ambassador. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, the the lasting memory is more or less being Charles Leclerc's punching bag for his last year in Formula 1. Pretty much everybody's um, punching bag. Kamui, Andre, Nazareth. Yeah, Andre, first day out, out qualifies him by a second. But fair enough to Marcus. It was brutal. 
He's been solid enough in IndyCar and puts together a few good results per year. He found himself in position to win a race and brought it home. Remarkable consistent last year. Even if he didn't finish on the podium last year, he was still regularly finishing inside the top 10. Of course, you could say, oh, that's just because he's driving for Ganassi, but he definitely showed improvement this second year. He showed improvement again this third season. Look, not everyone know, can be Scott that Dixon. Sucks for Will- yeah. <sighs> that sucks for Will Power that he lost the lead the way they did. But mm. Marcus Erickson, I feel, had something for him. It wasn't like, you know, uh, it wasn't completely out of the realm of possibility that Erickson could have caught and passed him. It would have been a lot tougher, but yeah. I'm not going to say this is like a total fluke. This isn't like Carlos Huerta's not. winning like uh, in Houston with a with a two with a fuel tank that's too large or some weird <laughs> shit like that. It's not Mario Dominguez winning Surfers Paradise in like torrential downpour no. when they don't know when to call the race off. Yeah, as a counterpoint. And you know what? Go ahead, Dre. Go, go, go on, Cam. No, I was going to say the terrifying fact of this now is that with with the Detroit weekend in the books, Marcus Erickson is now seventh in the championship. Seventh. Chip Ganassi is two, three, and seven right now, and Dixon is not the lead car. <laughs> no, Dixon. Um, What's Dixon... happening? This team is insane. Yeah, <laughs> Dixon was kind of all over the place this weekend, which is not what you think of when you think of Scott Dixon. You usually think of relentless. <laughs> but uh, no. And on Pancake the other slapping. side, god damn it. Um, on the other side of the equation. <laughs> Will Powers had a really bad, like, few weeks. Oh. This, <laughs> you know, you think, okay, maybe he's on the other side of it. Had an okay Indy 500 once qualifying shit show ended. And he's in position to win this race. I think he, I think he had it under control, albeit not dominating. Right. right. And an ECU issue where the ECU got confused during shutdown of the car for that final red flag. It was not actually overheating, as was initially theorized. Um, And said by Will Power, who, can I just say, and I know some people will disagree, but... That showed an incredible amount of restraint. Willpower showed immense restraint <laughs> not to just drop 50 F-bombs on that interview we had with Kevin Lee after the race. He was pissed. <laughs> he I was incensed. I worked my <laughs> ass off of this. <laughs> Look, we know Willpower can be quite blunt with race control when he feels like they have wronged him as we're yep. coming up on the 10th anniversary of that particular meme. I'm still kind of mad I didn't go to that race, but I also didn't want to be soggy. True. Will showed a lot of restraint in the face of what has probably been the most trying first half of an IndyCar season of his career. Despite re-signing for Penske for the future, this has not been very good. Sometimes it's been on him. Other times he has been driving the nuts off of a car that didn't deserve to be piloted by him. When he turned this it around and, and when he went from the back of the grid to like finishing sits in the second race, that was his first top 10 since St. Pete. His other results yeah. were 14th, 13th, 11th, 30th, 20th. Yeah. Brutal. It's not what you expect for a driver of his caliber. And again, as you, as Cam said, some of it's on him. You gotta look at it through like a fine tooth comb to pick up how much of it is on him and how much of it is just 
sheer rotten luck. And if anything, I love the poetic scene of as Will is completely venting his spleen about race control and driver influence, Alex Rossi walks past, and he's like, he's had awful luck too! And I'm just like, he's not wrong! <laughs> just just Rossi and, and power arm in arm with the enemy. I think that was actually quite charming. Um, but it has been brutal for Will, and that was a race he deserved to win in race one, and that he just had it ripped out from underneath him with five to go. Um, I'd actually would have been even. I wouldn't even be talking to the media after that. Let alone no, we just not going on fifteen f bombs. <laughs> no, no, you'd see the door close behind you, and then the windows explode from a scream. <sighs> I mean, in that second race, he had fire coming out of his ears. Oh yeah, it showed. And again, he did really, really well to finish that race in sixth. Quite frankly. Um, Hopefully, um, a, a, a turnaround soon for Will Power. A bit more on Penske in a little bit. But we'll talk a little bit about race two here as well. Um, again, like we had two late race restarts. Not for, not red flag restarts, but still had two late cautions at the end. Um, including Romain Grosjean catching fire again. And everyone taking a great deep breath. Like, oh, uh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. No, no, no. He was fine. Thankfully, he gets out of the fire. car. He, small yeah, fire. Small fire. Fine. Break he, fire. Deci- he decided <laughs> he was going to put out that fire himself. <laughs> it's like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm I got myself. this. <laughs> He's just shaking <laughs> off the AMR safety team, like, yo, I got this. I want to prove to them that I'm not no bitch. It had been a pretty miserable weekend for Grosjean. He had the puncher, and then he had a drive-through for some sloppy driving, and then spins, and then his brakes are all just white hot. and Oh, brutal weekend for for Grosjean. Top five both races and has nothing to show for it. Yeah, that's the real story of race two. The real story of race two was Pano Award making a late surge. There were seven laps to go after that final caution, and he went from fifth to the win, including two passes in two corners on, on that restart. He drove like a man possessed. Um, he passed Joseph Newgarden with four to go and would take the win and the championship lead for McLaren Arrow SP um, ahead of uh, Joseph Newgarden, who had been running at the front pretty much the entire race. I think he led 67 laps out of the 67 laps, but he didn't lead the three that counted. Yep, and with Alex Polo finishing third to only put him a point off the top of the championship standings. I mean, I mean, RJ, you put out a great piece on race fans talking about Pado Award and how his career's pretty much you know, been on the brink of collapse two or three times over or already. Four times. Yeah, God, you lose count sometimes given the hurdles he's had to jump through. And we talked a lot about how just how great Pado was after his first win earlier this season, but how what does this mean for McLaren? How close are they to really hitting the strike? Because I can't remember a time, if ever, that Schmidt Peterson, as we know them, has led the championship. This is huge. They haven't had someone like this. There were flashes with James Hinchcliffe. I'd argue there were flashes with Simon Pagano because let's not forget, Mm. Simon was doing amazing things with Schmidt-Petersman before. But this is the first time that you could say that McLaren SP, you know, the great McLaren, 
looks like they're a legitimate top-tier team, it's because of the talent of somebody like Patricio Ward. I'll tell you, on those two late restarts, he was just cutting up dudes left and right. He looked like young Juan Pablo Montoya out there. And, again, this is a guy who, you can write an entire, you can feel like a three-hour documentary on all the bullshit that he went through in 2019 alone, where he has a drive at Harding Racing until he doesn't. He has 13 races at Carlin until Red Bull signed him, and then he only does eight because he's off doing Formula 2 and Super Formula because Red Bull think he has super license points to get him an F2, F1, only he doesn't, and it's not his fault. And now he's getting an F1 test that Red Bull wouldn't give him. And then you just kind of forget, like, wow, in 2016 in Indy Pro 2000, this dude only get, had two race weekends guaranteed. He sweeps the month of May at Indianapolis, has a brutal collapse to end that season, and loses out on a six-figure scholarship that would have drastically altered the trajectory of his career. So you kind of think, like, man, how many times could we have gone without ever seeing Patricia Ward ever reach this step? And I know, like, okay, he's leading by a point in the middle of the season. He He's closer to the summit than any other Schmidt-Peterson driver, any other driver outside the, the big three of Penske, Ganassi, or Andretti have been in quite some time. Like, good health and opportunity willing, this kid is going to win multiple championships this is not going to be his last win of the season i feel and we're coming back to a place in road america where he almost took his first win to start last season yeah that that colossal dogfight with uh future teammate felix rosenquist um last year where he lost by essentially a nose um as we called in horse racing circles i mean Championship leader is is unbelievable given the talent that's in IndyCar. It's I mean it's not a total surprise to me because again he was he was up in this range last year. Like it's like when we look back on 2020, you look back and you realize, wait, Padre Award was third and Colton Herder was fourth after all of this and the way it all Herder shook was out, third, it was like Award was fourth, but it wasn't right. by much. And Award was no. finishing ahead of dudes like Will Power, Simon mm. Paginot in the point standings, like. Damn, and this is just his first full season, and he's not driving for one of the big three. Yeah, and look, you're talking to who was the saltiest James Hinchcliffe fan when he lost that job. Um, and in the back of my head, I, I knew there was a valid argument you could make for putting Pato Award in, in, in the five car, and... I never wanted to admit it because I was a biased fanboy, and I will hold my hands up to that. Like, like I, I wrote about it and everything. I was like, "How the hell do you get rid of James Hinchcliffe?" And and a lot of people at IndyCar were mad about that. And you know, we saw glimpses of what the team could do. So I don't, I don't want to forget Robert Wickens and his contribution either, because Wickens did a sensational job in his brief time in the six car, and I do sincerely hope he does find a way back. Um, because he was so, so good in his short time um, at, at SPM to get to even get the team into this point. But this kid is special. Like, RJ alluded to everything he talked about. He's still only 22 years old. <laughs> like, 22! He's got 15 more years of this if he wants it. <laughs> at least it's... it's yeah. He is terrifyingly good. Like... Do not let like, the house on F1 again. We saw that one last time. If they throw you a top-tier drive, that's fine. Whatever. But just 
you do you, and you start for it, thinking about being Mexico's first IndyCar Series champion and Indianapolis 500 winner, because that's coming down the road sooner than y'all think. This yeah, dude, he, as Stephen A. Smith would say, this dude is boxing. This dude is a Skywalker. Get out of my head. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Patricio Award <laughs> is the definition of box office. He's fun to watch. He's fun to watch cut through the field. He is fast as hell. And to win that race... Now, disclaimer, Joseph Newgarden was on like 47-year-old tires by that point. But he had to Roughly. put a forceful move on Newgarden, who held on as well as he could to finish second. Yeah, Newgarden, I could tell that the grip was coming off, but I did not expect him to go full-on initial D, going on a strand drive where you need all the momentum. And what? And I know they touched the middle of it, but once I saw Newgarden slide and Pato get out run, I was just like, yeah, this is over. It's just a matter of when, and please don't stack it in the tires. Yeah. Pato, wheel-to-wheel, is he's fan, a fantastic judge of making a move that's right on the limit but still clean. This and is decisive and pattern. getting past someone. Those restarts were just sensational. This man had a Rolex watch before he turned 18. <laughs> yeah, terrifying. Terrifying stuff. And look, I want to move in alongside this to talking about Joseph Newgarden a little bit. And I, I'll be the first person to say as well, Joseph Newgarden was sensational in that race. Oh. To who very, very nearly won that race with... Every, like, it's like, it's not like a big, like, moment happened in that race that ultimately cost Newgarden the win. It was like lots of little ones. It was probably Dalton Kellett's car in pit lane. It was, the, it was yes. those last cautions, because even mm. if Newgarden, e- even if Newgarden is out there and his tires fall off, he was beating the field so bad that he could have been out there on dead up. tires. He could have been the out there split. on dead tires and won comfortably. Um, just another chapter in the continuing saga of Penske being in position to win and then not winning hard. They had losing in increasingly spectacular ways. Yeah. Joseph explained after race, like they had to pit to cover off the possibility of if Dalton Kellett stopped the pit exit they're going to throw a caution, and that caution ultimately never came. So that led him to do, I think, about 10 more tires on a scuffed set of alternate tires than he wanted to do. And if the disparity looked bad on television this week, Joseph actually said that the alternate tires were actually way better than they were in 2019, the last time we raced in Detroit. Yeah, if that tells you anything. Yeah, the red tires were not the tire to be on here. They were good over one lap, one lap, and that was it. They were 2013 Pirelli esque. Oh, I remember those days, back the days of India, where you were coming, where guys were coming in after two laps on the softs. I remember those days. That, that <laughs> I remember that so, in race in race oof. one. We had people getting off the red tires within two, three laps. Two laps. Yeah, they had a two, two three lap laps. minimum. That's all. That's all they wanted to do on them. Hunter Ray came in on the minimum. He came in on la- the start lap three. Like that's how bad the alternate yeah. was. Amazingly how on enough. earth? How on earth has Penske not won a race this season? Chevrolet is leading the engine manufacturer's championship. Ed not Carpenter has won a race this season, <laughs> and, yeah, it's, and it's Penske been are on, winless. 
Like, Chevrolets perform well solely on the backs of McLaren. McLaren and a Carpenter. What <laughs> sentence? <laughs> like, it's... It's it's an, it's another problem where Penske... Penske seems to have too much of a good thing where it's a different Penske performing the best in every race. I'm here to tell you right now, Santino Ferrucci and I have a damn problem with him hitting Pagano <laughs> in both races. Pagano was he on did. for a top five in race one. I'm still mad. I don't know. I don't know how he keeps cranking out these top tens in a backup car that's configured for speedways and on straight course. It's fine. Why couldn't he just he's be annoyingly good at he, he's he is annoyingly good at IndyCar activities, Ferrucci. Yeah. There's there's no but, getting around it. He's just good at this. But <sighs> even without a win, Joseph Newgarden has been all over the place this year. He has been inconsistent as hell. He's still hanging on to the title fight despite not having a win. Yeah. I don't get yeah. it. He's one more win, and he's right back in the thick of this fight. He's only 51 points out of first place in fourth. But it feels he's like it's taking... It feels like it's taking spectacular performances just to get Penske's cars in position to mm. maybe win, maybe get a top five. Remember, Simon Pagino saved Roger from a pretty horrific month of embarrassment at Indianapolis. Along with New Garden, who also had a much better race than qualifying. But even before then, Joseph crashing in the first race, when he looked like he was going to have a decent uh, decent race, at least by practice times, uh, they're just really up and down. All four of their drivers, and uh, to say nothing of Scotty McLaughlin, he's a rookie, he's still learning this, but he's equally up and down with the rest of Penske. Yeah, it's it's not it's not the year where you want a rookie to learn because everybody you expect everybody else to be better and they just kind of haven't really been the usual Penske we associate them with. I'll tell you something for free as well. After that race, I've never seen Joseph Newgarden so dejected not to have won a race. He is miserable. Seven out of seventy laps. And you lose with the with the eventual winner just driving the fuck away from you, and you have to hold on to the skin of your teeth just to hold on to a podium. Yeah, Joseph he Newgarden looked like drove the someone race had beaten him up. He drove the race of his life <laughs> yeah. to hold on to second. He he did everything right, and sometimes in racing that's not enough. But Penske needs to if they want to win these titles, and if they want to be competitive going forward, because this is kind of the second year of this. After a pretty crushing 2019 between the Indy 500 and then the overall championship, last year they were all over the place until New Garden made a late rally. This year is more of the same. They've got a we got eight races left. We're at halfway now. Yeah, they they've mm-hmm. got to recapture some of that consistency that what well, has been their staple for the last ever. Yeah, with Team Penske. Yeah, 1995 aside. They're, they're, they're running out of time. New Garden probably needs at least a couple of wins to really start taking chunks out of this lap because P- Palou is not going away. O'Ward is now officially a threat. Um, and there's still a lot of hoops to jump through with a lot of guys who can still win. Dixon didn't gain any ground on the title fight this weekend, but he didn't lose any either. He's still well, exactly the same 36 points back he was at the start of Detroit. Somehow. Well, <sighs> Every Ganassi performed pretty poorly, except for the one that isn't in the title fight that won race one. 
Uh, Pelot blew his entire points lead after the Indy 500 in one race. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was. He started from the back foot, having to start from the back due to a grip penalty. It was actually a pretty good result that he salvaged fifteenth out of the first race, let alone a podium in race in race two. Indeed, indeed. Um, should we go from one end of the, of the grid to the other here for a minute? Because uh, same um, team, though. In, same team, Chip Ganassi, but uh, as King alluded to earlier, there is a fourth way. There is the fourth car at the back of the field. It contains one Jimmy Johnson. And um, let's just say Twitter has had enough of Jimmy Johnson learning this car. Um, it was quite a prominent uh, tweeter in the uh, motorsport landscape. It was virtual stat man Sean Kelly who put out up, this Sean? interesting tweet after the, uh, the Detroit weekend where, quote, the weird defending of Jimmy Johnson's IndyCar performances are getting tiresome. No other driver gets a grace period to not be lost every week racing for Chip Ganassi while the other three drivers have all won this year. If he was Jimmy No Name, he'd be getting crucified. Um, end quote. And uh, it, the replies were spicy. IndyCar drivers themselves picked up on this tweet with Alex Rossi saying, quote, this is a really dumb statement. And uh, I, I love Cam's man, Simon Pagano, going, totally agree with Alex. <laughs> End quote. All right, so the question I pose to you, fellas, is, did Sean have a point? Is Jimmy getting hard to defend? And is his presence more about extracurricular means in the race in itself? I was just, I'm just wondering what everybody expected when Jimmy Johnson jumped over to IndyCar in the first place. Mm. Like, were y'all expecting national championship number eight from a guy who turns 46 this year, hadn't won a cup race um, since 2017, hadn't really been a factor for a title since then, hadn't mm. ever driven a single-seater competitively because but before RJ. stock car racing, his background, his entire background was stadium super trucks. I, like, I'd say that, expect? like, what? No, no one expected Jimmy Johnson to win. Zero people. But when most of the NBC broadcast, when anytime there's a lull period, they go to focus on Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson, by all comparative measures, by all imperative measures, he's the most well-known driver in the entire field. Yeah, by a mile. When when NBC focuses most of their broadcasts on Jimmy Johnson, a lot of people who probably don't know that much about racing are questioning why is most of the broadcast focused on the guy running in last place? RJ, to counter what you said, Jimmy Johnson's reputation is above reproach. He is a seven-time right. NASCAR champion, one of the greatest drivers that the United States has ever seen. However, I didn't expect him to come in and start beating fools because he's in the twilight of his overall career. He has, as you say, he hasn't run a race since 2017. I didn't expect us to be halfway through the season and he is still cleanly the worst driver in the series. And that's because I've, I have saw, I've seen what Jimmy Johnson is capable of doing. For a, from my childhood until a couple of years yeah. ago in NASCAR, where until pretty late on and potentially after a really nasty crash, Jimmy Johnson was a walking W. It's 
there, there's one line. I was rewatching Race 2's highlights on IndyCar's YouTube channel. Um, yeah, just to remind myself of anything I might have missed in the lead up to recording this show. And there was one line of commentary that really got me during Race 2, and it was. And I, I'm paraphrasing Townsend Bell here, so forgive me, but I believe it was along the lines of. Oh, look at the back there. That's Jimmy Johnson there, tangling with Dalton Kellett. Look at him go. And I'm just yeah. like... Dal- oh. It's just like... If, any, if, if anything, Dalton uh. Kellett should be smoking this dude because he's been driving single-seaters now for the past decade. Yeah, but on, this man was yeah, like, on the this other man hand, was in like any lights for seven years. On the other hand, one's in a Foyt and one's in a Ganassi. And Ganassi currently have... I, I mentioned earlier in the episode, two, three, and seven in the championship... And then Johnson, and to that effect, Tony Kanaan, also another really damn good driver, put that same car in the Fast Nine. Yeah, it, it's it's less it's less wanting to be critical of Jimmy to dunk on him, and more because I expected more from a driver of this caliber who we know is really fucking good in a racing car. Yeah, like He's... I like I. Going into the season, I just assumed Jimmy Johnson was going to be somewhere 14th through 16th. It would have been fine, but it's been worse than that. If it, if it was just fringe yeah, of the top he, 10, I would take that to the bank. But it's not. Yeah. Look, if, if there's one thing it proves is that, is that this series is very, very hard to compete in. Some of the finest racing drivers in the world race in IndyCar. I'm not one of these F1 nut huggers that will say that the... You know, the F1 seat is the pinnacle of motorsport. It's not. The, it's the, the motorsport world is expansive discipline. way beyond that. And there are, there's a right. dozen and different motorsport disciplines. Yeah, right. We could have these and circular arguments the whole way. Like, Dario Franchitti, IndyCar legend, terrible in NASCAR. Jacques Villeneuve, Formula One world champion, terrible in NASCAR. Mm. But, but the thing is, no one was out here saying, oh, like, no one was out here on the broadcast saying that, you know, Dario is, you know, doing well for for what he's doing right now. No one was out here actively saying, like, this is great. Like, it, it the the broadcast and what's happening on the track is completely different. Seems like two completely different worlds, and that's where I I really can't I I really can't back what the drivers are saying because they're not watching the broadcast. They they see the data. They see like. They know how hard it is. They know Jimmy is trying, but they're not making any circumstances that you know Jimmy's doing great out there today. Yeah, it's it, a lot of. No, it's I was, was going to say uh, the broadcast and what that mm, is doing. Mm. All I will say mm. is, when Cody Ware steps into a car at Road America, this will put the whole thing into perspective. No, because we already saw that perspective well when did. he was terrible, no good, and very bad at this year's Twenty Four Hours of Daytona. Yeah. Look, I was going to say, like, are these guys being protective of Jimmy because they know what a massive pull he is for this series? I don't, I don't is, think is, it's that, a is, is that an element of this? I don't think it's just that, because you have to remember IndyCar is kind of a, it's a melting pot of drivers from different series. A lot of these drivers have taken part in other disciplines. A lot of them have, yeah. were brought up in sports cars and still compete in sports cars. They know how hard it can mm. be. And... It's bad enough when you're learning a new discipline and you are, you know, late teens, early 20s at the start of your career. 
It's got to be hard when you're in the twilight of your career and you've never touched one of these things or even anything equivalent to it. Exactly. His entire racing background is nothing to do with any of this shit and he's learning it at age 46. Yeah. It's it, it, it's just, mm. it goes back to, I think King hit it on the head with the broadcast. Doesn't it help. wouldn't look as bad if NBC wasn't bigging him up all the time. Yeah, and constantly and he's, he's putting him on camera. And yeah. Yeah, it's... Like, he's a huge pull for this series, just on the basis, like, if you just look at social media, like, Jimmy Johnson has two and a half million followers on Twitter. Uh, like He's I a think, household name. Like, Scott Dixon, I think, as just a comparison, Scott Dixon has, like, I think, maybe 150,000 followers. Joseph Newgarden, two-time series champion, has 81,000 Twitter followers. Jimmy Johnson is a household name, yeah. and he earned that by beating everyone black and blue for about the better part of 20 years in NASCAR. And like, I honestly, like, I honestly get we need to give Jimmy time. We we need to understand what his limits are. But again, we, we can't be out here saying that fighting for 18th is just like fighting for fourth. It's just not the same. It, it, it bugs me because I don't want to see... We saw enough issues in the last couple of years. It's a shame he got out of NASCAR when he did because Hendrick is beating everyone into the ground in Cup right now. <sighs> Why does it have to be Hendrick driver number five? However, no, and no, I, 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 to, to, to follow up from your point, Cal, I was, I was going to say like it's the broadcast doesn't help. The broadcast is going all in on Johnson and it's hard for us as a viewer to take it seriously when you're going all in on a guy that's a bat marker. Yeah. Every, everybody looks stupid. Like anyone that knows IndyCar, the line of Jimmy Johnson beefs with Dalton Kellett is a horrible line to have to utter and listen and take in. And Jimmy doesn't have to hear that. No. He's not he's not plugged into Townsend Bell gushing about how awesome he is. But, but the thing he's... is that all of us at home do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a And when we yeah. get it, the people in the sport get it. The people who know watching understand, but in the pers- take take racing fandom out of it. Say you're watching IndyCar for the first time. Why is the broadcast focusing on the guy who's 19th and then it kind of makes sense why are we why are we doing this and it looks it, it hurts because we're watching Johnson in the twilight of his career kind of do the Kimmy thing of former world champion who's now kind of running around nowhere and I don't like seeing yeah. it because I'm used to Jimmy Johnson uh, winning by half a lap in a cup series car yeah it's not going to tank his legacy. Oh, of course. By the not. time this arrangement yeah. is over, whether that's the end of the net season or this season or it's at the end of this week, it's not going to damage his legacy. This is no. for him to do something for funsies. Yeah. And, yes, I, and I, I think, and the broadcast needs to acknowledge that. That's just all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, that's 100% fair. It's not the first time we've been critical of NBC's broadcast. We, we, we saw it on the other end of Ferrucci last year, and we talked profusely about that on the show last year, about how that was the other end of the scale, in the sense of... Like, honestly, if, if they played, if, like, if, if they played this as a way that this is something that Jimmy's always wanted to do, that he's admired the IndyCar series, that would be something good for the championship. Oh, Jimmy awesome. does not have to be competitive. No. 
No, like his presence is great for IndyCar as a whole. And you can see the drivers, they adore and they respect the crap out of this man. We saw him swap helmets with Will Power. He called him an icon of motorsport. They, they know it's a big deal. So, of course, the drivers are going to get defensive about it. Um, but I, I don't think what Sean had to say was an invalid point either. I've, I mean, at face value, it's not ideal. But unfortunately... I think the coverage of the way he's, he's been covered since going into this series, he's been compared to Romain Grosjean in this rookie class. He was, again, racing a, an F1 car as recently as last year. And Scott McLaughlin, who is a superb talent, and has, again, has proven that he's been justified all the hype that he's been getting in IndyCar this year as well. It's not, the, it's not a fair fight. It, it is not a fair fight. It was never going to win that fight. And... F- NBC pretending to do so over the coming weeks and months since the season has started it's trying isn't to push, helping They're any. trying to push a narrative that isn't there. And the same thing occurred with his when he was taking part in IMSA with the 48 um, Action Express car alongside Pagano yeah. and Kobayashi. Mm. Where mm. NB, and NBC did the same thing with Chase Elliott. Because NASCAR is infinitely more known in the public eye, thanks Tony George... Um, NASCAR popularity is here. Everything else here. Everything else in the United States that doesn't speak to the quality of the racing product. That's just the way things played out over the last twenty-five years. But NBC tends to latch onto that and latch onto it way too hard. While international broadcasts, especially for IMSA, kind of just as you said, King, kind of just roll with it. Like, hey. These drivers have had an interest in this for a while. This is their first crack at it. And they're in the field yeah. doing their thing. NBC it's needs just to just back. They need to back off the throttle a little yeah. bit with this. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I'm mm. just, I guess I'm just more like, I don't know if I'm just making up a guy in my head that somehow thought that Jimmy Johnson was going to start competing for wins and championships when he's breaking to the same point that John Alacy did in that no good, terrible, awful Lotus in 2012. Why, we do not <clears throat> speak of it. We speak of its livery and nothing else. Agreed. We speak of the top um, of your appearance. It, 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 it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Mm. Before we get out of here, we had a couple of backups un- announced as well. We've had a, 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 a slab of unfortunate news um, on one sense. Uh, Renus VK had a cycling accident a couple of days ago. He's since had surgery on it. Yeah, broke his um, clavicle. He will not be cleared in... Yeah, broke his clavicle. Uh, thankfully, relatively okay. Um, but he will not race this weekend at Road America. He will be replacing the number 21 car for Ed Carpenter Racing by Oliver Askew, who filled in at race two at McLaren um, after Felix's awful accident. So uh, Askew is our new driver for hire for the week. Welcome aboard, Oliver. Um, and uh, taking the... No, the other one in the number seven car replacing Felix Rosenquist, who's not been cleared by IndyCar team to race this weekend, uh, will be checks notes. Kevin Magnussen will be making his IndyCar series debut this weekend at Road America in the number seven uh, Arrow car. Um, gentlemen, hype check. Um, this 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 feels like this feels like it's a little bit overdue with Kevin Magnussen, but it does cool, I guess it does. But if it's a little <laughs> strange because of all the teams that I figured he would have been back together with, the one that fired him on his birthday is not the one I'm thinking of. 
No, I mean, if Juan Pablo Montoya could come home after 15 years, the way he exited Formula One while he was still McLaren, there is always a way home at McLaren. Somehow. Zach Brown is really out here just mending all of the family ties with all the people that McLaren... Rebuilding all them bridges. Rebuilding all the bridges (laughs) with all of the people that McLaren's previous regime burned to the ground and salted the earth. Yeah, yeah, I mean... King, what do you make of it all, man? K-Mag and Uh, McLaren. I mean, generally, it it makes sense because the way Magnussen left Formula 1, he was always on the fence because he he kind of hinted that... He might have might take a sabbatical, ended up in IMSA, and now it seems like he's kind of reignited his interest in racing again. Well, not not mm. to forget as well, he's also signed to the Peugeot Hypercar uh, program for 2022 onwards. So that's two sports car programs. We'll see if that continues with GM's impending announcement of whatever they're going to do for their sports cars. But uh, also new mm. IMSA winner. Because we didn't we didn't talk about it. Yeah, he won that second day at Detroit and was just in the area. <laughs> we got him, the him and Grosjean that coming race together. In, that again. second race in Detroit, I should say. Yeah, Team Fireballs. I take full. Go ahead. I take full credit for Team Fireballs. I'm very proud of that one, and I'm sticking to it. Um, <laughs> so, how are we feeling about the Haas road to Indy? <laughs> I like it. You got Grosjean, you got Fittipaldi, you now got Magnussen. Never forget that Esteban Gutierrez is also a product of that academy, although it's mm. easy to forget Esteban Gutierrez once drove an Indy car. I know. Surprising. No, Magnussen's a great fit. I am curious, though, that Pato Ward said that, like, their setups are going to be hard to drive, and there is a possibility that this could, you know, really flatter Kevin Magnussen. But all he's just got to do is drive like he did in F1 in times, a.k.a. like a pissed-off teenager, and you may (laughs) at least run up in the top sits for most of the day. If he drives the way he did in that Chip Ganassi Cadillac, I think he'll do just fine. He'll do just fine. Look, don't wreck the car. That's the most important part. (laughs) I'm also curious to see how Oliver Askew does now that he has more than 10 minutes of qualifying as practice before he hops in a new car. Oliver's a really, really fantastic talent uh, who just, things never fell the right way with McLaren SP. I know there were some shitty circumstances. He has the concussion. Did he or did he not, like, have a beef with the team over racing with that concussion that led to his exit? You know, it's it's great that he came back to film for Velas. That's really cool. And I'm curious to see what he does now with a full week under his belt. Filling in a car that is... Pretty quick in the hands of Renus VK. And remember, they were title rivals in Indy Lights. They were. They were. Very, very spicy indeed. Look, said, that was one of the genuine shocks of IndyCar in 2020 was when Askew lost his seat and the drama that surrounded it. No one was out here saying Askew wasn't good enough to be there. We all thought, yeah, this kid can drive. Most definitely, it was just one of those political shenanigans that caused his downfall. Well, I think the, the problem and... going for, forward for anyone in that uh, second McLaren seat is the guy in that first McLaren seat, because Pato is making them mm. all look like scrubs. And we'll see if that continues this weekend at Road America, alongside the literal 15 other series that are taking part with motorsport this weekend. So um, much 
racing. We're not doing we a 24-hour charity stream. No, thank God. No, that <laughs> that, that would have happened during the Nurburgring, and then, uh, well, no, no, <laughs> no. The 24 Fox hours of fog. <laughs> no, but uh, we will probably pick out the best from Formula One, MotoGP, IndyCar, and maybe a bit of Formula E at the Roval as well, depending on what goes down. I will do my best to to pick to cram as much as I can into an hour. No promises. We'll have to wait and see how we go. There's a lot to get through there. The big ones, Formula One, Paul Ricard this weekend, as King declared on Twitter, his new favourite Grand Prix circuit in the world. He stands no. the field. Oh, Grand Prix. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't. Those words. It's impossible to use them in a sentence like that. It burns. Oh, it burns okay. my soul. Paul Ricard isn't as bad as people make it out to be. Debatable. I, I can, I can um, enforce this. You're very alone on this. So yeah, absolutely heat weekend of motorsport. You guys will figure it out. Um, look on autosport.com for a calendar or something. It's all there. Um, in the meantime, let's get out of here. Places you can find us one more time are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 or on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 or on Twitter and motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at Buckley 917 at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell. Um, we're on Instagram at Motorsport101Pod, and we're on Patreon.com if you want to back us financially on there. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. Next week, everything. We'll try and figure it out from there, but uh, hopefully it will be a fun old set list. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Cam Buckley, Ryan Eric King, and RJ O'Connell. No chocolate milk was harmed in the making of this recording, and we'll see you guys next week. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. The gang will return next Wednesday. Batman, don't. <laughs> 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 <laughs>